The Island Portugal Business Network is comprised of more than 150 member companies based in Portugal and Ireland. These companies are from a wide range of industries and professions and represent in excess of 25,000 people. Okay, so uh, here we are um, at the uh, the IPN, uh, IPBN's, uh, I think it's our 10th podcast, and I'm sitting here with Mr. John Paul Pryor, who is the, uh, the chair of the IPBN Porto Committee. Um, and I'm just going to do a quick introduction before we get started, uh, just to say that the IPBN is committed to sustainability, and we are already preparing next year's St. Patrick's Day Sustainability Conference in Lisbon. And this is going to feature experts in various sectors who are eager to share their experience and their plans for the future. And the IPBN's membership also has deep roots in agribusiness as well as the tech sector. And we've already held several sector-specific events and discussions in Lisbon, the Algarve, and Porto, so that we can help give a platform to the discussion of progress and innovation and disruption and the future of the workplace, all the stuff you want to talk about. So I'm delighted to be here, as I said, by Mr. John Paul Pryor, that uh, he's the manager of the iconic music maker shop located in Dublin and the founder of a company that's mixing sustainability with agritech right here in Porto called Harmony. Uh, John Paul's just recently made the move to Porto and is remotely managing music maker. Um, and he's growing Farmony and sourcing musical, incredible handmade instruments from Braga and running 5Ks every day. Uh, we are not here to discuss his time management skills, which, let's face it, they are second to none. We're here to talk business. John Paul, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I am surprised you had a gap in your calendar, sir. Not at all. That was an impressive uh, intro. Thanks a million. Thank you for joining us. So let me just jump right in. Um, why Porto? What made you make the move? Yeah, so we, we moved, uh, myself and Katie, my partner, we moved here in November 2020. I actually looking at the calendar, I think it may very well be this weekend. So it's a two year anniversary. Ah, good arrival. Yeah. So um moved here in November twenty twenty. At that point, uh there was, you know, it was pandemic mayhem. We we're coming in and out of lockdowns back home. I'd been working remotely in Dublin, so it didn't really make any difference to me where I was working, so I was able to move with Katie to Porto. And that's how we ended up here. Kitty had a job. I was able to work remotely. Uh, I don't think I had any idea at the time. I don't think anyone did how long uh, the pandemic was going to last. I'm sure at that point, I thought it would be over in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. It ended up going on another what, year, year and a half. I think I, I think it was an eternity. Uh, yeah. And a half. Yeah. And, and we all picked up some new skills. Mine was definitely not baking bread. Uh, but luckily for you, I guess, and your what was to become your future, yours was picking up uh, the the tips and tricks on how to actually manage a team remotely. And yeah, your, yeah. your location was a hundred percent physical at the time, or I'm sure you had an online presence as well. How did yeah, that your business? Yeah, at the time, well, um, music maker, I suppose. Looking at it first, uh, you know, during the pandemic. Uh, a lot of our business was coming from our High Street retail store, which is on Exchequer Street there in the centre of Dublin. And when it closed down, a lot more focus online, um, a lot more focus on our education business, all of which could be managed remotely. So it wasn't a major challenge uh, being able to manage that remotely. We had a much smaller team at the time through the pandemic. So we were able to work with a core team uh, to be able to maintain the business uh, through lockdown so it was fine and then Porto 
I don't think I knew an awful lot about Porto, to be honest, although the rom- romantic in me would feel that we were drawn here. Um, I think in Ireland, we think of Portugal, we think about the Algarve, where you'd you know, go on sun holidays, weekends away in Lisbon, perhaps. Uh, but northern Portugal, up to recently, perhaps has been off people's radar. Mm-hmm. I remember Porto from port at Christmas at home, you know, hot port. Uh, I remember um, somewhat angrily Jose Mourinho running down the touchline in Old Trafford. And I see Porto dumped Manchester United out of the Champions League. But other than that, I really didn't know a lot about the city. And yet you and yet you still had the heart to to face that struggle, that that what that that chaotic past of, of the Manchester ordeal and and move there. Well, how, how the tides have turned and I, you know for the last two years I've been a season ticket holder at FC Porto so um but the, but the city uh, you know again people think of Portugal you think of the weather and yes the weather is, is amazing up here in northern Portugal too perhaps a slightly rainy November to be fair but generally the weather is amazing uh, the cost of living as everyone knows is quite low um there's you know tax incentives to move to Portugal I'm on this non-habitual residency program, which is really attractive from a tax point of view. Uh, in Porto, you have you know an airport. I can get in an Uber and be in the airport in ten minutes. And despite all the issues that other European airports would have had, Porto's really, really well organised and was able to manage uh, the traffic so well during the summer. And its connectivity as a city with Dublin and other uh, cities in Europe is is really good as well. During the summer, you have Ryanair with like five flights a week. I yeah. think they just announced today a flight from um, from Shannon. Uh-huh. So that you know, that's another route for people from the west of Ireland, like myself, uh, to be able to visit the city. So I think if you speak to people from Porto, they'll say that pre-pandemic, the city was on an upward trajectory and there was a real energy about the city. And then obviously that uh, was dissipated through the pandemic. But it feels like it just has been turned right back on. And now this year we've seen uh, tourists coming back. We've seen a city that we weren't familiar with because we were obviously here during the pandemic. So now it's like absolutely vibrant, full of energy, full of tourists. Uh, that it, So the city itself seems to be only going one way. So it's a really attractive and exciting place to be. Yeah. And also it's very close to uh, another endeavor that you've that you've been sort of sussing out uh it's very close to braga uh what what uh what's going on there can you tell me a little bit more about what your business is with braga these days yeah so i suppose to give people listening a, a bit of background to music maker uh it's a musical instrument store established in 1980 in dublin uh, it's a place that i used to shop for musical instruments when i was young i'm from the west of ireland and it was always a place that, you know, your friends, if you were going up to the big smoke, as we call it in Ireland, uh, up to Dublin, uh, they'd always say, oh, did you go into Music Maker? And you'd go into Exchequer Street and you'd go up these, you know, lovely, beautiful granite stairs. You'd pull back this guitar neck door handle and you'd just be greeted by wall to wall rock. So, you know, Fender guitars, everything you could dream of. So... I've been then managing that, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, basically, been managing that for 13 years. Um, and we'd source products from across the world. We have a lot of US suppliers, a lot of UK suppliers, um, but we were also taking product from China. So pre-pandemic, we would have been taking containers of musical instruments from China, manufactured there. And that would be like 
you know, guitars, a lot of accessory products, guitar stands, mic stands. Um, but when I moved to Porto, I realized that there's a manufacturer in Braga called APC Instruments who produce incredible instruments. And with all the challenges of getting product from China at that point uh, with shipping costs, etc., it made a lot of sense to at least try a sample of product from APC in Braga. And now we've just gone from strength to strength, really well received, amazing quality. The staff love them. The customers love the instruments. So we've continued, uh, you know, purchasing product all year. And it's, it's an area that we're going to really try and develop because it's not just more traditional instruments like your classical guitars that people would be familiar with, like your ukuleles. Um, interestingly, it's a lot of Brazilian uh, instruments. Uh, I think I heard, I was talking to a friend, they said an interesting stat about Ireland is that per capita Ireland has a similar Brazilian community uh, to Portugal. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Now I need to fact check that, but but that <laughs> makes a lot of, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, you know, we're probably selling a lot of those instruments to 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 some of the Brazilian uh, community and Portuguese community in Ireland. Uh huh. So you're single-handedly so working with uh, well, giving giving people the the techniques and the instruments and the tools to to get their bossa nova on. What about their fado? Are you are you uh, supplying fado guitars as well? I, I I believe so. I believe so, and it's it's a it's a range it's a range that we're you know we're trying to expand. But you know you're always trying to differentiate yourself, um, and I think that's an area where we can. And I, I just like the whole story of being here, the fact that I'm here. Um, you know, I feel pretty passionately about the fact that you know while we're here, which actually I think will be a long time. Um, I, I I want to be able to contribute contribute you know part of the reason why i joined the network but certainly you know with our relationship with apc and how we're developing other relationships within portugal i i really like that we're dealing with a european supplier it's a relatively local supplier on a global from a global standpoint so um yeah it's some it's a relationship that we're excited to develop for sure mm -hmm. Well, I recently uh, heard, uh, well, a little birdie told me about uh, sort of a success story with this Braga-Dublin uh, link. Can you tell me a little bit more about what this success story is? Is it, is it simply just you're working with the, with the makers of the instruments or is there something else? Yeah, no, I suppose it's the ongoing development of, of that relationship between, in this case, Braga and, and, and Dublin and further expansion of that a music maker has a couple of uh, different revenue streams, one of which is is the music store in, in Exchequer Street, which actually hosted an event there recently for the Irish Portugal Business Network. Uh, but other revenue streams would be um, education. We're involved in a music generation program, which is a program uh, inspiring, as the name suggests, future generations of Irish musician. Uh, it's a, it's a, a fund supported by U2, not other, other than one of Ireland's biggest exports. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, so we play a key part in that program, supplying the program with musical instruments. So it would be, you know, getting those Portuguese made uh, manufactured instruments into the hands of young uh, children in this case. And then also developing the business. Music Maker is also a distributor of instruments uh, to all the other music retailers in Ireland. So it would be, you know, distributing Portuguese manufactured instruments um, throughout all the other music stores in the country. Amazing. 
Well, I recommend highly that you you write up this story, or maybe we can submit this podcast for the the upcoming uh, the fourth annual, I believe, the Business Success Award in February. So keep in mind uh, that the I think the 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 submission process closes somewhat toward the end of January. I have to double check that, but uh, put that in your calendar, Mr. John Paul. I think you've got, I think you're a shoe in. <laughs> if we're in it, we're in it to win it. <laughs> well, you're not only working with Music Maker, you're also quite busy with, um, with a business called Farmony and it's, it's, would you say it's in the agritech sector or, or, or what? And, and can you tell me a little bit more about what Farmony is and what, what your role in it? Yeah, so uh, it couldn't be any different uh, to Music Maker, which we just discussed. Uh, Farmony is bringing harmony to a uh, local food system. Um, Farmony, it, we're a vertical farming company. Mm-hmm. It was set up uh, by myself and my colleague from college, a friend from college, Dan O'Brien. We set up the company in late 2018. Uh, so it's vertical farming. So vertical farming is growing up in layers uh, using a hydroponic system where the plants, and in this case, we're talking about food produce like leafy greens, uh, microgreens, herbs, uh, like heads of lettuce, um, items like that. Uh, certainly tomatoes, um, strawberries, the list goes on, peppers, where you can grow those that produce um, in any geographic location as long as you optimize the growing conditions of the plant. So because it's, you're growing vertically in layers, it means you have a much smaller footprint than traditional agriculture. And because you're able to control the environment, as in uh, give the plants their nutrition um, through the water, and you're able to manage that controlled environment in terms of the ambient temperature, the humidity, uh, the airflow in, in the room, uh, you can grow this produce 365 days a year. So the impact of that would be that you know, you're not limited by location, so you could have these vertical farms in any city location uh, where there's high density populations, and you could be growing, replacing imports uh, locally um, in terms of, 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 of food. So it gives um, society and uh, populations like cities, etc., cetera, um, some control over their food supply. And if you take Ireland as an example, where we, where we started out, Ireland imports uh, herbs, take basil as an example, from, um, uh, from Israel and from Kenya. Uh, and we set up a farm in Tipperary in Ireland, repurposing a mushroom tunnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a farmer who had stopped growing mushrooms due to Brexit and challenges that he had is now growing Irish basil 365 days a year replacing those imports so you can see with all the challenges that we have through climate change through the issues that we have uh, currently uh, through ukraine and the issues with russia that where a country can have independence from a food uh, supply point of view that that is certainly one solution to a greater problem so if you take portugal's situation the Iberian Peninsula had its driest uh, season in 1,200 years. <laughs> so this isn't, a, and, and Portugal uh, had forest fires that consumed, I think, over 58,000 hectares. So that was twice as many, that's much land consumed 
as uh, in 2021. So the issues that the world and Europe faces uh, are not something that's coming down the tracks. This is a problem that's actually happening now. And while vertical farming isn't the only solution, I think it can certainly be be part of the solution. And in terms of like who your clientele are, you've mentioned that there's a farmer who repurposed his, uh, his mushroom field for vertical farming to grow. You said just basil or is it is it uh, other herbs as well? In his case, um, so these there's a number of customers now. Um, just as of yesterday, we've opened the farm in Beirut, in Lebanon. Um, so the main focus would be herbs. But take Portugal as an example, it would be um, coriander, you know, which is huge. Uh, <laughs> you huge can't have in, octopus without it. Yeah, right. So Portuguese side. Yeah, but it would be like Asian greens, um, you know, as I said, microgreens. So all, all our customers would be growing across that range. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how much a square square meter uh, space would you recommend for uh, for this product? I mean, can I do it on my rooftop, or do I need a, a bigger a bigger footprint to get started? Yeah, so so I, I suppose what's a kind of an advantage from our system would be that it's modular. So you can, uh, it can be as big or small as you need. Even it, uh, the system, which is called the Radix system, uh, it, it, it builds up like Lego in layers. So you can go up to eight layers tall, which would be four meters tall. Or you can, you know, most of our customers would have a four layer system which would be about two meters tall. And then the footprint is one meter by 1.3 meters. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that, 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 that gives me a little bit more perspective on what's possible with a T2 these days. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but I mean, that's the, you know, the future will have, you know, schools with vertical farms um, apartments with, you know, fridges that are like, um, that are using hydroponics. I, I think IKEA is always, a leader in trends. So if you see any of the IKEA kitchens, you'll see that they all have a, a, a pretty basic kind of hydroponic system in there where we're showing the potential of growing your own produce within your own home. Mm -hmm. That's really fascinating. Well, it seems like you guys are well on the way to taking over the world because this seems like, I mean, to be fair, it's, uh, it's very, con it's very conscious of not only the, the 2030 goals, but also of, you know, just the needs of a population during, you know, especially difficult times, like, like the pandemic, like what's going on now with um, sanctions in, in Russia, for example, like, you know, it's very, it's, it's, it's very exciting. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, I think, I think if you, are really aware of you know what they're buying when they go to the grocery store but you know it seems a bit ridiculous to buy uh, you know asparagus from peru when you have you know people growing it locally that are just not being represented in the in the mainstream grocery yeah store. it's it's certainly it's certainly a sustainable um solution for, across you know it, it's uh, vertical farming uses 80 percent less water traditional agriculture uh, it's zero pesticides and it's creating those sustainable jobs. So again, taking Ireland as an example, Ireland would, would bring in seasonal workers for our growing season at home, which would be from about May to September. Mm -hmm. uh, they'd be supplying locally. And again, you know, there is demand driven by consumers, either through restaurants or through retail, uh, that want to buy locally and want to commit to buying locally. So the demand is there. So it's about matching up that demand with supply. Um, you know, and then you have you have sustainable jobs. So, as I say, in Ireland, 
uh, you would have those seasonal workers that are there for the growing season and then they would leave the country and then those suppliers, uh, local suppliers in Ireland, would then have to basically hand over uh, the business to, um, for example, a Spanish uh, company who would then take up supply to the Irish uh, restaurant or to the Irish um, grocery chain for the rest of the year. And, and through this, you can have, as I said, 365 day production and you can have sustainable jobs uh, with it too. In Portugal's case, Portugal imports a lot of produce from Spain, its neighbor, but Spain has crazy problems with drought, just like we've seen in Portugal. Um, so, so, you know, vertical farming will have to come into the mix in, in Spain as well. Well, um, I think what your product sounds amazing, and I, I would really love to see it in action someday. So uh, if I'm ever in Porto, I'm definitely going to pop by your place and, and take a look for myself because it seems like really a wonderful project. And I'm, I'm glad that it's taking flight. And I can see it, it's not easy to see on a podcast or, or hear a twinkle in someone's eye. But I think I've heard a little bit of that harmonic uh, twinkle coming from you on both the Music Maker and the Farm Project. So congratulations for, well, I would say a life well lived. Uh, not that it's not that it's over you've got plenty more to go uh and not only with these two projects uh you you're also the as i said the the chair of the the porto committee for the island ireland portugal business network can you tell me a little bit about how you got involved uh what sort of what sort of spurred you on to join and and what benefits you've taken from it so far Yes, I suppose you have you have a real leader in ireland uh, in terms of you know developing and growing the network uh, so i think my first communication came from Arnold. There was a talk here in actually, I think the talk was around Web Summit um, in Lisbon, where there was a meet of the Irish Portugal Business Network. And I, I gave a presentation about Farmony um, at, the, at, at, a, at an event organized by the network. And I think that was the, I think Arnold had been in touch. And that was the first event, really enjoyed the event. There was other speakers on the day. Um, I suppose you know, to a certain extent, you feel a little bit, you might feel a little bit isolated when you're in a new country. Um, and I find the network really reassuring that there's lots of other businesses uh, similar to, to us, Portuguese businesses, similar to Boat Music Maker and Farmony, uh, and then other Irish people who are in Portugal with the same either challenges or wanting the same uh, ambition to develop here. So it was a really reassuring uh, event, really enjoyed it, was happy to then uh, become a member and then de it developed from there. I think Arnold was keen and the team were keen to have a, a representation in the north of the country. Currently you have to set up in the Algarve in Lisbon. So I was happy to to lead the charge uh, from, from, from the north's point of view. So yeah, it's a really, really strong network. I've been um, part of, you know, on and off previous networks, but I feel it's such a really, it's such a well-organized network. It's such a strong network in terms of the members. Uh, and you see real tangible benefits from the relationships that are built through the network. So, you know, it's not just a, oh, meet up and have a couple of glasses of wine at an event. There's a real me meaningful, um, a strong ambition about what the network is currently and what it's trying to be and what it's trying to achieve and their real tangible goals for the members. And I think that's a kind of a critical factor. I think oh, you see that's, so, that's so great of you to, to say, I, yeah, I you see, I, you see I, networks I, popping up all over. Um, and, but I haven't seen one or come across one like the Irish Portugal business network in terms of, as I say, you know, 
being able to quantify um, what you get out of the network uh, each year. And I've always been able to do that since I've become a member. Amazing. And and actually, I, I heard that there's a story with another member that you recently hooked up with that you guys have some plans for the future, maybe? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's another kind of exciting relationship that's come out of uh, a previous event down the Algarve. I probably won't go into huge detail just from a con- confidentiality point of view, but a very exciting, very innovative project uh, that demonstrates the network's benefit. Uh, it was a speaker on a panel uh, with this connection and uh, we had a we had a chat over coffee uh, we saw that it's certainly worth trialing something and uh, this is true to farmly side of the bit side of uh, my business um, and we're very excited so ah, i can't wait is, to hear what happens you're gonna have yeah. to developments with us maybe it's maybe it's worthy of another business success award but you can only get one john paul there's only one a year okay so let's no listen you. there's a, i'm sure that would be a, a very competitive uh, award with some of the companies that are uh, in the network. So there'll be lots of other companies that I'm sure would be worthy winners. Absolutely. Um, well, just to finish off, uh, there, one fun fact about you that maybe not everyone knows is that you are an avid runner. Uh, and you told me that you've been running a consecutive, well, you've running, you've been running 5k consecutively for two years. Is this mm-hmm. true? That's, that's nearly true. That's nearly, nearly true. true. I suppose the fact check on that would be that it's uh, that it will be two years uh, in the third week in January. So, uh, yeah, I t- you know, add a bit of color to the to the podcast. Um, <laughs> I started running, and not I wasn't even an avid runner, so it's kind of a funny, peculiar story. Um, hadn't hadn't run a, a, an awful lot, you know. I I think I took took part with my sister in a ten k competitive race, and that's the only one I've ever done. But uh, I should probably talk to my counselor uh, or therapist about this because I'm sure it, 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 there's there's something there in why I do this. But yeah, started running. I'm on day today's day 671. It's re- honestly, honestly, it's it is a form of therapy. Uh, it's just I love it. It gives me an opportunity, you know, 30 minutes each day to take some time out. Um, and it's yeah, it's great for you know physically but it's much much greater uh, mentally um i think the streak side of it is probably a treat for my ego but the daily run is a treat for my mind um, i read a couple of books or uh, listened to them audiobooks one um atomic habits by james clear uh, which talks just talks about the changes you can make on a daily basis that get like incrementally the, the you know at the end of a year or in the two years or in the three years you can really see the benefit of them it's all about optimizing your time and i think by by working remotely if i think back to my time in dublin i would have been like even though i was living in lucan just outside the city i would have been it would have been an hour commute each way by the time you get out of the house get down to the train station hop on the train do the walk from the train station to music maker um, so I think I felt like I gave myself back those two hours and I wanted to be able to use them in a worthwhile way. So, you know, the running is, it takes up, you know, between getting out or getting ready, getting out, etc. probably takes the guts of 40, 45 minutes. Um, and then the, the other audio book that I found really helpful was a book called The 5AM Club, uh, which is quite a long-winded story, to be honest, uh, through the book. But the, the idea is really, really good, which is that you get up really early in the morning um, 
before everyone else is up, before your email starts kicking off, before your phone starts kicking off uh, and you avoid like any connection with the world, like your social media or news channels or anything like that. And you basically learn something, you do some ex exercise and then you, you know, visualize your day ahead. Um, and it means that, you know, from a kind of a control point of view, come 9am or whatever time you start your day officially, uh, you know that you've achieved something. And then it, 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 like for me, it's just been a really good way to manage stress. And it just gives you, it means that no matter what happens in your, in your day, and if your day, like mine, has a lot of variety and you can be perhaps sometimes pulled in lots of different directions, I think it means that you always know at the end of the day that you've achieved something. So it's, it's really, really good from that point of view. Amazing. Well, I mean, with so many things that you're balancing, it's it's incredible that uh, that you that you can find the time. But it's really maybe you're right. Maybe it's about building your life around the things that are good for you to be able to manage your time better. Uh, yeah, I think I think people. I think through the pandemic, you know, there was a lot of obviously there was a lot of reflection, both both personally, you know, and uh, people looking at what they're doing, why they're doing it personally. But then, you know, I don't think that's there's been as much um, conversation about reflecting on the business side, you know, and I think that's, you know, when I say to people from Music Maker's point of view that I've, I'm working remotely and I'm managing a retail store remotely, that they're like, how could you possibly do that? But I think on a reflection on the business, you, 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 can, you can understand very clearly why, why this makes sense. You know, I've, I've, I've in Music Maker's case, I've delegated tasks you know, I've got an amazing team working in Dublin that if I was there, they mightn't have developed to the same extent that they have. So, you know, we do so many things either in our own personal lives because it's like societal uh, trends that have, you know, a lot of them are there for good reasons. So I'm not saying you have to throw everything out, but certainly just taking a moment to reflect. And I think people did that during the pandemic. Um, and, and I hope that we've demonstrated that uh, as a company that on reflection, you know what, this actually gives me an opportunity to further develop Music Maker internationally that otherwise I would have been just running up and down the stairs of a five-floor building trying to put out fires that I should have nothing to do with, you know. Well, maybe that maybe it would have resulted in 5K over, over a while running up and down the <laughs> stairs, but not, certainly not the way you've got it set now. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really thrilled that you were able to join us and, and, uh, and chat with us and, and share your uh, your story uh, and also the successes of your businesses and uh, and your projects. It just sounds like you've got an amazing future ahead, uh, and I, I hope you do keep us very much posted on on what what develops uh, because it sounds like uh, there's there's more magic and harmony to to be seen uh, in the future along the line. So, uh, if there's anything else you want to share before I uh, I wrap this one up, now's your time to do so, Mr. John Paul. No, listen, it's been, it's been a pleasure, as I said, only great things to say about the network. I'm here in Porto, um, also back in Dublin every four or six weeks, keen to, you know, meet potential new members. Um, if anyone's interested in understanding remote working, uh, the, the beauty and uh, magic that there is in Porto, I uh, would be delighted to be a spokesperson for the city from a tourism point of view uh, as I say I can't speak highly enough about it and our experience here so um, yeah please get in touch on LinkedIn John Paul Pryor uh, on email John Paul at musicmaker.ie and would be delighted to uh, network
Thank you very much, John Paul. Uh, just to wrap it up, I uh, just want to say that this IPBN podcast is brought to you by the network and our executive sponsors. Uh, if you are interested in becoming an executive sponsor to be featured on podcasts like this one, as well as on all IPBN uh, communications, please do get in touch with us on our website at www.ireland-portugal.com or visit us on our Facebook or LinkedIn pages under Ireland Portugal Business Network. Once more, thank you very much, John Paul, for joining us, and we hope you'll tune in next time. This has been a production of the IPBN in partnership with Pink Room. For more information, visit us online at island-portugal.com and on LinkedIn at Island Portugal Business Network. For more IPBN podcasts, find us on Spotify or visit our website for the full list of episodes.